Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to osirispod.com. That's where you can check out all the live events they got going on, all their podcasts, everything that Osiris is doing. That is osirispod.com. Today, I got a great one for you where I present an interview with musician, trumpeter, slide trumpeter, arranger, composer, and band leader from New York City, Stephen Bernstein. Stephen is best known for his work in the Lounge Lizards, Sex Mob, Spanish Fly, and the Millennial Territory Orchestra. He has released four albums under his own name on John Zorn's Zadok Records, and he has performed with jazz giants including Roswell Rudd, Sam Rivers, Don Byron, and Modesky Martin Wood, as well as musicians ranging from Aretha Franklin to Lou Reed, from Linda Ronstadt to Diggable Planets. From Sting to Courtney Love. Stephen was a member of Levon Helm's Midnight Ramble Band, playing in Helm's Woodstock home, as well as touring with the band. As an arranger, he has written for Bill Frizzell, Rufus Rainwright, and Elton John, just to name a few. He has composed for dance, theater, film and television, and with composer John Lurie, arranged the scores to many feature films, including Get Shorty. Truly. This is an emphatically terse bio of all Stephen has been involved in. Take a look online at all the work he has done. It's absolutely jaw-dropping. But today, we are going to focus on two of his projects. Sex Mob, which just released a terrific new album called The Hard Way, and the Millennial Territory Orchestra, which recently released four excellent albums in one day, no less, on the Royal Potato Family label. Sex Mob's latest release is a bit of a departure for the band. As with producer Scotty Hard at the board, the Hardway skews decisively electronic. On it, Hard's beats and soundscapes provide Steven, with saxophonist Brigham Krause, bassist Tony Scheer, and acoustic electric drummer Kenny Wallison, all the stimulus they need to further compose and fearlessly reinvent. With each offering, and certainly with the Hardway and its rich electric acoustic groove canvas, Steven and crew reveal a modernizing impulse, but also an equally strong foundation in the roots of jazz and American song. Funky, bluesy, with a tattered dissonance conjured up by the Krauss throaty saxophone tone, the distinctive wail of Stevens' rare horn, and the swagger of Cher and Wallace's rhythm section grind, Sex Mob continues to chart new paths in 21st century creative music. Before we dive into this interview with Steven, let's get a taste of the album. Underlining this introduction has been a sampling of the sprawling opening track entitled Fletcher Henderson. And this is a touch of a song called Banasek, which features guest John Modeski on organ.
So, in this episode, Steve and I talk about Sex Mob's new direction sonically found on The Hard Way while exploring the production process behind this captivating work of art. We converse on producer Scotty Hart's influence on the album, the unique art house label that The Hard Way was released on called Corbett vs. Dempsey, and the four albums Steven recently released with the Millennial Territory Orchestra. We even discuss Sex Mob's forthcoming tour with Laurie Anderson, the many gifts Steven received in his career from renowned producer Hal Wilner, and so much more. It was such an honor to talk to Steven, real good time as well, really informative, so I have no doubt you will love this interview with Steven Bernstein. Cross the margin. Cross the margin. podcast steven hey man how are you? you doing good I'm your great. name how is mike you? your name is mike right yes yep mike or michael either one works okay you, you prefer michael i'll call you michael uh mike's fine let's go let's roll with that how are you good a little tired i'm here in new orleans and i, I played i uh, i played all weekend uh at birdland i saw i saw your schedule for um Tuesday, yesterday, and today, and I was yep. like, "I'm like, yep. how is he gonna fit this in?" <laughs> yep. But then Monday night, I played the Met Gala with Dave Byrne, David Byrne. Oh wow! I saw I saw a picture of him. That that must have been awesome. He rolled up to the Met Gala yeah. bike as he does. Yeah, and then and then like, next morning, so you Then I got to New Orleans, played two set two get two different gigs last night. Wow! And Were then those, um. <laughs> Were those the ones with Mike Dillon? You were playing Mike Dillon? No, no, Mike Dillon's today. Mike Dillon's today. Last night was with Kirk Joseph and Roger Lewis from Dirty Dozen. Awesome. And um, I don't mind. I'm going to try to find it kind of quiet. I guess this is... Get wherever you need to be. Perfect. Okay, I guess it's quiet enough here. Yeah, I can hear you great, too. Okay. Um, It was with Roger Lewis and Kirk Joseph from Dirty Dozen and and Jonathan Falick from uh, Nuance Klezman All-Stars. And then then went over to the High Hole Lounge (laughs) and did... Um, Skerrick Sauce Fest, but Skerrick wasn't wow. in town. But Helen Jolay and uh, um, Brian Haas from, from uh, Jacob Fred led it. Amazing, amazing show goes on without Skerrick even being there. James Singleton's with is playing with you and Mike tonight, right? Exactly with the trio. That's, yeah, man, that's gonna be awesome. Mike was on the show. I love talking to him. He's such, a, such a fascinating human being. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, no question about it. Um, so thanks for coming on the program. I've I've been a fan of of uh, Sex Mob for decades now. This is this is this is quite a treat. But um, this new album, I got a hold of it, and it is really really cool. So I want to talk about it some. Um, it feels like a little, you know, it's definitely Sex Mob through and through. But it feels like there's a little bit of a a little bit new direction sonically, or some new ideas in it. And I love if you could talk about it generally, kind of. Oh, absolutely. Kinda, yeah. So I mean, I can just should we just get right in it? Let's go. Okay, so here's the story. Scotty Hard and I, you know, Scott produced the first four or five records. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I think he's done four others besides this, if I'm right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So the first four records, and then, you know, after that, then we did one with Danny with Good and Evil. Uh-huh. And um, then we just self-produced because we got to the point where there's never any money to make records. We just did our own. Yeah. And then Scott and I were like, you know, while we're still on this planet, we, we need to make a record together. We talked about it and talked about it, you know, between everyone's schedules. It just kind of never happened. And finally we said, 
you know, let's try to make this happen. And um, we found a time when everyone was available. Scotty has his own studio. So we like booked the days. We said, okay, we got two days. Let's Mm -hmm. get the band. And what did Scotty did was Scotty started sending me loops. Now these loops could be anywhere from a short drum loop to one of them. The piece that's called Fletcher Henderson was basically an eight minute long instrumental. I don't know what you would call it. Music, hip hop, music, concrete. Like it went went through. Yeah, it went through all these. He had like a drum machine that he could change the tempo on, and it had all Uh these different tempo changes and all this. And it had some harmonic material on it. It was, and so, and then some were like maybe a bass line with a drum part. It was all these different things. And what I did was I wrote a composition for each piece. So basically, I had written a composition that would go over each loop. Amazing. So for the eight-minute loop, I wrote like a, basically a composition that would go through the entire piece, including the, the tempo changes. Wow. And being sex mob, like what you can probably tell from my records is I'm much more interested in capturing the moment of invention than trying to make some sort of product. Okay. Like all my records are usually first or second takes because that's okay. really what I'm into. That's what and I understand yeah. that there's like, you know, some people really want things to sound good and sound uh-huh. thought out. I'm not interested. I mean, I'll yep. do that for other people. That's sure. what they need from me. Yep. But for myself, I'm much more interested in trying to capture on tape that's that smart. moment. Right. When everyone yeah. just figures everything out. So yeah. basically we're just reading these compositions as sex mob as the loops are going by and Scott's recording them. Yep. And then he says, okay, good. We got it. And we move on to the next. <laughs> the next. And then, and we did it. Kenny, uh, has, he has a small studio. Mm-hmm. So Kenny's playing electric drums live with us. Then when it all, then after those two days of recording, Kenny came back and played drum set yep. on maybe about three quarters of the pieces. Okay. So overdubbed yeah. the drum set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, Scott started, and then uh, Tony and Kenny came in. Tony and Brigham came in, recorded electric guitars. Yeah. Then Medeski sent in two tracks. VJ sent in a track. Yep. Olive sent in a track. And then Scott just worked with the music for two and a half years. That long? Wow. Well, it was recorded before the pandemic. Okay. I didn't know that. It yep. was, yeah. It was, it was recorded December before May. No end of november before the pandemic yeah, yeah now scott you know uh you know being you know in a wheelchair and, and uh you know was very susceptible during the pandemic you know could not get sick so he didn't work he didn't go to the studio for a long sure. time yep so that was one of the things that kept it from happening quickly yeah. and the other thing was he just wanted to work with it and that's how he that's his process mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he literally worked with these tracks for a couple of years until yeah. and he and what Scott does is like, I might write something and it's like on a certain beat and he yep. wants it to be on a certain, a different beat and he'll just take the thing and move it over. <laughs> so I'll listen to it because we had to relearn how to play the music after the record came out. I mean, we don't, was, we don't emulate it. To it. Right. Cause we don't yeah. emulate the record. It's not like, you know, a Madonna tour or something yeah. like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you at least want to learn what it is and then yep. from there find a live version of it. Yeah, because yeah. we never played any songs live before we recorded them. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then I had to transcribe what's on the record, or at least try to met. You know, I had charts, but sometimes I go like, "Wait, that's not what I. That's in a different place." So I'm like, oh, "Okay, now it's like, <laughs> oh, now this phrase comes first, and this phrase <laughs> is over here." So yeah. like, yeah. So, so that's is why that where it sounds I'm- different. Yeah, that that's cool. It's kind of like it's novel to you, and it comes back in different ways. So, uh, um, Fletcher Henderson, the idea, the that's the opening track, the sprawling, you know, eight minute thing. Was was that kind of an ode to you know the composer, the arranger? Is that no, anything no. there? Just what, what does titles mean to you? What is the deal there? Yeah, I just <laughs> I just like titles. And yeah, because I saw what is it, um, Banasek. That's what is that? That, that, that? Well, Banasek was a great seventies TV show. That yes, came from I know. Scott. That's what I was going to ask about. Yeah. <laughs> no, Scott. Scott came up with that name. Okay, cool. Like I just, you know, you kind of what Scott and I are the same way. We just, you kind of collect song titles and you write them down somewhere, and then you yep, go like, yep. well, that might be good for this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we both have lists of song titles, and be like, so I'd send him a list, and he'd send me a list, and we'd kind of agree, like, oh, that's a good title. Let's throw that on this song. Yeah. So that's the one Modesky's on. Did he? Was it the same thing with him where he got? Did he get the? you know, kind of like the beats that Scott made with the, you know, what you wrote on top of it. Does he get that? And he, he, you know, puts the organ on top of that or VJ with. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, and then Scott just, and like with VJ, you can hear that he just took what VJ played, took maybe three or four phrases and started moving it around the song. Like, wow. I don't know. I have actually no idea what VJ originally played, but it's yeah, not yeah. that. <laughs> this is so cool. It's not that. Like yeah. he just found a few phrases that he liked. Yep. Yep. And sprinkles them like There's fairy dust throughout the song. Wow, With Medeski, cool. I can tell it's a little more like he kept more of it, but still I'm sure he moved everything around. Yeah, it's amazing. That's just how he does things, you know. It's cool. He's taking these like like pieces of music and put them together like puzzle pieces. It's awesome. It's what what this label's uh, something. this is kind of unique. It's uh Corbett and Dempsey. It's I guess Corbett, it's Corbett, like, it's called Corbett. Corbett, Corbett versus Dempsey. Is that what it is? Corbett versus Dempsey, yeah. John versus Corbett. Dempsey. I apologize. Yeah. It's yeah. uh so that's unique. It's kind of like it's like an art house. Um, you know, I guess that it's an art gallery and and, and an art gallery. Yeah. That, that that put that has their own imprint of 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 music and their own print, beautiful imprint of books. Yeah. They're both beautiful. Oh wow, cool. And uh, their books are amazing. They have like incredible, not just great art books, but like Sunrise poetry mm-hmm. and a, a beautiful, like uh, the Don, you know, uh, Roscoe Mitchell's art and Moki Cherry. Uh, they have a great book on Moki Cherry and Don Cherry. Uh, yeah. That's Moki's art along with interviews with Don Cherry. Amazing. And um, it's what I call a gift from Hal. So Hal Wilner, you know, was my mentor. Yeah. Do you know about Hal? Uh, no, I was looking him up though when I was researching you. I don't know that much. So Hal invented the idea of the concept album in okay. 1981 really? when he was in his mid-20s, put out a record called Amacord Nina Rota, yep. which for a lot of people in my generation changed their life. Because yeah. what it was, was an album of Nina Rota's film music played by, like, just, like, now you take it for granted, but in 1981, no one had ever heard anything like this. Yep. It starts with Jackie Byard's solo piano. There's a, a eight and a half minute sprawling Carla Blade genius arrangement. There's mm-hmm. Steve Lacey solo. There's the very uh, first commercial recording of Bill Frizzell. There is the very first commercial recording of Whitney Branford Marsalis. 
um, as side people. They don't take solos. They're just taking side people yeah. on this, on one song. So it's uh, David Amram. Um, and then the, the kicker was that Debbie Harry and Chris Stein from Blondie are on it. Mm. Now, at the time, Blondie was pretty much the number one act in the world, not yeah. in the United States. Yeah, yeah. And he had, I don't know quite how he got them to do this. He was like uh -huh. a young guy. And this record changed the world. And yeah. then he continued on, made a record of Monk's. Then he got a, a deal with AM and got a, made a, a record on Monk's music, on Disney's music, on Kurt Vile's music. And I started working with him in 19. Uh, geez, he, he, he produced the first Spanish Fly record, which I guess was 92. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, we started a very close relationship, working and friend relationship. Uh, like so much of the stuff, I like if you see something on my resume, like mm -hmm. U2 or, or Rufus Wainwright or Nick Cave, yeah. that all comes through Hal. Yeah. Nick, the Leonard Cohen stuff, that's all through Hal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and he died of COVID at the very beginning Damn. of, well, complications of COVID, mm -hmm. as I'd say, yeah, sure. at the very beginning uh, in, in April. So anyway, he'd been waiting to do a New York live version of the Nina Rota record. We'd done a few in London. There was one in Italy and we got one done. Um, we got it scheduled for the outdoors at Lincoln Center four and a half years ago. And mm. there was not a rainstorm, but an electric <laughs> storm. So when there's an elect thunderstorm and, and lightning, you can't do outdoor yeah, gigs because yeah, of yeah. Um, the law. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how we had like 24 musicians backstage we've been rehearsing. Uh, arrangers Hal had flown in on his own dime from Europe. All these people. Hal was like, anyway, it was a, but Corbett versus Dempsey yeah. had just re-released the record. It had been mm -hmm. unavailable for three decades. And I met John Corbett. Yeah. So this is why I call it a gift from Hal. When, yeah, the record yeah, yeah. Got, when the record got done and Hal had already passed away, mm -hmm. um, I was thinking, where do I put this record? Like, where do I belong? Like, you know, I just feel like Sex Mob is really like a unique and one of the greatest bands alive. I mean, who's had a band of the same for same band for twenty seven years? I mean, yeah. it's very rare. And you know, and I was like, you know, where can I? And and I and I went to Corporate versus Dempsey's website, mm -hmm. right? And I realized who's on there: Hal Wilmer, Van Dyke Parks, yep. Sun Ra, yep. Don Cherry, mm -hmm. Lester Bowie. Like my world. Like I basically feel like at that point, this is my. This is the. I'm part of that. I'm yeah. part of that legacy now. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're like we're a legacy band now. Yep. Like yep. we're not we're not young cute kids. We're not oh. we're not the band we were of like wild punk rockers 25 years ago. Yeah, you know the, we're the we're we're side, yeah. But we're still too dirty for like a jazz label. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just on an off chance, I just sent it to John to John Corbett, and yeah. the next morning, yeah, next morning I get an email. We'll put this out in a second. Yeah. So I was really excited because for me it meant like okay because I've always wanted like well you were right about that fit too you know it yeah. is a fit it is I mean it is it's an art house this this feels like an art project so much of your work feels like art projects in different ways than than it was you know definable as regular jazz right yeah so I so mean I call a that compliment. a gift from Hal because I wouldn't yeah. have met these guys if it had been for for 
them being backstage at the Hal concert. That's why I was talking about because yeah. I met John, you know, back back at that backstage at Lincoln Center. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's wild. That's cool. It's it's definitely. I'm gonna want to check out more of what they got going on. So have you you haven't have you played these uh, tracks live yet? I'm, I'm yeah. We we we, we 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 toured them in Europe. So okay. And as we toured them in Europe, like they started to really take shape as as live as live songs. You know, because okay. you have to reinvent them because obviously we can't the way do you described it. Yeah. The way Scott did it, so yep. we had to like reinvent. But luckily, you know, luckily, but we had the opportunity to play them every night in Europe. And then you guys go, oh, all right, this piece can go here. This can yep. be this and this can become that, you know. That's cool. So it's a different experience, too, than when yeah. you get on the album, too. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, I'm obsessed with these bad boys right here. These four albums, this uh, uh, millennial territory orchestra thing you put out. So you, that you put out four albums at once. What was the impetus behind that? Well, that's, that, that, that's wild stuff. Story. Okay, so here's the story. Yeah, I got a I, I got a very nice grant from Arts Foundation to it. um basically to what I call document my arrangements because yeah. arrangers we live in a funny world. We're not mm -hmm. seen as composers. No one takes us. No one cares about us. We're kind of like the writers in, like, in L.A. right now. <laughs> well, except you need writers. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, you don't really need arrangers. Like, it's okay, that, okay. <laughs> like, no one really needs arrangers. You because know, you yeah. can just, like, everyone just samples things and moves things around. Like, what I know how to do is a very rarefied thing. Oh. And yes, every once in a while, people say, but no one recognizes arrangers. Sure. No yeah. one, they don't get written about. They don't, like, you know, and there was a period of time where you had to have arrangers. Like, in the mm -hmm. 50s. Yep, big band. Up until the playing. 70s. Mm -hmm. You had to even, but even like pop music from the seventies, okay. like the Carpenters. Yeah, that's yeah. all live music, man. Yep, yep. You know, you had to have an arranger who wrote everything out, mm -hmm. and cats went in there and they like said, "Okay, we got a three-hour session. We're cutting three songs, and the arranger passed out the charts, and that's yep. what you did. And you couldn't make a record without a arranger. Yep. It was impossible. Yeah, not yeah. just big bands. Yeah, I'm yep. talking about like pop music. Yep, until yep. there were self-contained bands. Until mm -hmm. it was like the Beatles, yeah. the Stones, mm -hmm. you know, these bands, the uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, yeah. Jefferson Airplane, blah, blah, blah. Yep, yep. Um, so I got done. I, I recorded for four days, not not intending to put the stuff as records, just the idea, like, I want to document for myself these arrangements. Yeah. And the first day was all original music, which I'd never done. I said, okay, well, these are compositions. This yeah. gets a little more like respect. So, and I thought it sounded, I remember I, really unique because these compositions were like, you know, they're very much informed by not like just the downtown world, but they're very informed by like Levon and that mm -hmm. whole world I lived there. Yeah, Levon Hell. And I remember, I remember playing it for Hal, for Hal Wilmer. I said, Hal, mm -hmm. like, what is this music I came up with? Because it's not jazz, <laughs> jazz. It's, and Hal said, Help me Does this burn? He said, yeah, Hal said, Hal said to me, it's Bernstein music. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, Okay. So I said, Okay, you know, 60 years old, well, now I'm 61. Like, feel like I deserve, like, again, like, you know, I'm not just a kid anymore. I've been doing this yeah. a long time. So I thought, well, maybe I could get like Blue Note or like, mm -hmm. you know, someone with some real press, you know, some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, someone who could like, Say, oh, we're gonna like you get out of those labels, and you can they can really push you into like the 
you know, this and that. Yeah, yeah. And I got some of the sweetest rejection letters ever. <laughs> like the most positive, reassuring rejection letters said right. how much they, you know, loved my music and how much they, you know, respected what I did. Mm -hmm. So I talked to Calibro, Kevin yeah. Calibro. Yeah, yeah. And Kevin Bro says, Bro Kev Kevin says, Man, I'll put out. Let's. He said, "Let's put out all. Let's put out four records. Let's put them. Let's put them all out." Now, Kevin is the ultimate music lover. Like yeah. this is like the most ridiculous thing anyone on a business level anyone would ever do. <laughs> like no re regular record person would say, "Let's put out four records." Makes Kevin said, so special. You know, and I said, I said to Kevin, I said, "Really?" I said, "That's I so audacious." Kid. I said, mm -hmm. "That's so audacious." Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> and so it's it was really because of Kevin that that happened. Yeah. Like so wait. So they were they were put together though, and that's awesome. That well, Kevin, I love that he you know kind of gave that freedom, push it out that way. So they were recorded in four days. Is that what you just said though? Yeah. Each record is one day. Each record was one day. That's what I was going to ask. So you go in with e new ideas because they're each they, they each have. Oh, their they're four. not new ideas. They're okay. arrangements. They're just arrangements. Got it. Got it. All right, and cool. and so that's the thing about arrangements. Yeah. Was arrangements? It's arrangements. I don't need to teach them the music. It's written down. Got it. Some of them they played a lot. Mm -hmm. Some of them they played a little. Yeah, a couple of them had never really been played all the way through. But basically, mm -hmm. you know, when you got musicians at the level of my guys, yep, here's what you do. People say, "Well, how do you make a record a day?" So it's yeah. pretty simple. Give them the arrangement. Uh -huh. You run, you run it for twenty minutes, thirty minutes. Mm -hmm. You cut it twice. Boom. Next uh -huh. song. Pass the arrangement out. Rehearse it for twenty, thirty minutes. You cut it, maybe because cut it once. Yep. Maybe sometimes you say like you cut it and go like, I said it's not going to get any better than that. Let's do the next two. And it had plenty of food. Once I saw people's energy was lagging, I'd say before people's energy starts lagging, yeah, I yeah. say did people need a break? Boom, go eat some food, hang out, talk, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Let's get back to work. Kind of hand out an arrangement. Yep. Rehearse it for twenty minutes. Yep. Cut it twice, and that's how you make a record in a day. That's amazing. So, you, I mean, you talked about the people you're playing with. It's community music is the idea. So the people you're playing with over these four days are your music community that you in New York here, people you've been playing with for decades. Is that right? Yeah, yeah but some of them go like Peter Applebaum. Uh -huh. I started I started playing with in seventh grade. Yeah. Like wow. I've been playing with him. Yeah. I've been playing with him almost. I joined, I joined his band. Well, first time I played with him was sixth grade, but I joined his band in seventh grade. So I've been playing yeah. with him almost 50 years. Mm -hmm. Doug, Doug Weaselman, the clarinet player, I turned 22 on the road with him. Damn. Uh, ben Porowski, the drummer, was still uh -huh. in high school when I met him. Mm -hmm. Like, I moved to New York. He was a high school kid at Music and Art, hanging out. Ben Allison was in college when I met him. So this community's been together for a long time. That's awesome. That's so great that you're still in each other's world, still creating together. So it sounds like, I mean, you mentioned how, you know, you know, not not the spring chickens anymore. And you're, you know, kind of putting out these music that, you know, put out these four albums. You've been thinking a lot about legacy, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because Probably. I lost so many people, you know, I lost. Look, at first, first, Levon died. Yeah. Then Lou died. Then yeah. Louis died. Then Bernie Worrell died. Mm -hmm. Then Henry Butler died. No, then Hal died. Yep. And you realize, and these are like, okay, these are all the people I was working with, you know? And I, yeah. you know, and you realize, man, you don't know. I said, it's, it's yep. you know, you don't know how long you're going to be here. So I felt yep. like, let. that's why I wanted to document these arrangements 
Love it. Well, I'm still here and my band's still here. Yeah. Yeah. Not taking anything for granted when all that happened. I'm sorry to hear all about that, but uh, yeah. music that came from it, it's really, really and, and listen, Paul, yeah. while I was in the road with Little Feet, Paul Barrere died. Yeah. I mean, he was home, He was, but you know, we played a gig with Little Feet the night Paul Barrere died. You know, so you get, you realize when, when, when this stuff happens, it's like, yeah, man, get it done now because you yeah. don't know about tomorrow. Yeah, no, nothing's promised. Nothing's promised. Um, so what else is coming up for you? I mean, you're, uh, Sex Mob is the backing band for Lori Anderson. That's super exciting. That's that another gift. That's <laughs> another gift from Hal. Is that another gift from Hal? Yep. So what happened was that Hal's Hal had a private memorial a year, a year after he died, two years yeah. after he died. I can't remember now. I think two years after. Yeah, two years after he oh. died because we really didn't want to have a memorial until people could really fly in, and it was amazing. And uh, yeah. I mean, we didn't think it was going to happen, but like Bono and Edge came to play. Yeah. Tom Waits came to play, and of course, mm -hmm. then the usual people we always expect or know are going to show up. You know, yep. Rufus Wainwright, Nick, uh, well, Nick Cave ends up with COVID and couldn't make it, but Rufus and Martha Wainwright and Michael Stipe and uh, blah, blah. You know, just like I can't even remember now all yeah, sure. you know, but the, the whole crew of how people. Yeah. But Lori came, she wanted to do a loose song, mm -hmm. and I did. What I told you about, I wrote an arrangement. Yep, yep. I'm the only, I'm the guy that can make a Lou Reed record, <laughs> Lou Reed song look like a Count Basie arrangement. Like, okay, here's a Lou Reed song. Read it left to right, guys. Uh -huh, you know, it's uh -huh. like <laughs> they play it through. Basically, sounds like Lou Reed's version. And Lori goes, "Well, that, that's nice, but you know, I don't want to do it like that." And she starts playing one of her wild loops on the violin. She does a thing where her violin can uh, make these. It, it, it kind of pushes. Uh, it like triggers a loop. And they're always like a little odd. Yeah. So the sex mob guys are the rhythm section. They just start playing along with this loop. And Lori starts singing. And um, she ended up testing positive for COVID and not being able to do the, the, the memorial either. But calls me up about a week later and says, you know, Stephen, I've never had an experience playing music like that. She goes, you think you guys would be interested in playing with me? Wow. Wow. And so, like, yet another gift from Hal. And she hasn't done a tour playing songs in mm -hmm. decades. Decades. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to go to Europe. And uh, and then I think in the fall we'll do some gigs in the States. Oh, cool. Yeah. But Any it's, idea it's, about it's, her, uh, well, the production? that She puts together some wild production for her for her. Yeah, door. It's not going to be, yeah, for this, it's going to be more of a music. More stripped it's down. It's not going to be, it's be, yeah, more stripped down. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. usually that, that's what she's been doing for the last decades, these yeah. wild productions. But this is basically going to be, Music, Lori yeah. doing music, songs. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Especially since it's been so so long. That's that's wild. So. Yeah, people are really excited because they haven't heard these songs, and they're not gonna again. And I told her, I said, Lori, you know, I don't think if you want us. I mean, I not. It'd be silly to kind of like emulate the records, like like as if we're studio, like a Madonna yeah. tour. You know, yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. no, no, I, I'm not interested. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's that's not how let's we find roll. some. Let's find, I mean, we could do it, but like, why? It's like, yeah, it's like it's a waste of sex mob, you know. Totally. So yeah, we're we're gonna be like, and and we've been kind of getting together and jamming over the past. I months was just, and, I was gonna ask next. I mean, you, you guys getting ready for it already? Yeah, we've been yeah. getting together and jamming, and so now we have to really like nail it down, which is something Lori doesn't like doing. She's she all about possibilities. Cool. Now, when you're doing something solo, that's one thing. With the yep. band, we're gonna ha now have to kind of like say okay this is gonna be somewhat what the arrangement will be because she's very much an improviser she's very in the moment so 
but that's why it's a perfect band to do it because we'll just improvise along with her, you know. That's going to be awesome. So that, that is coming to the U.S. after the year, maybe? That's the idea in, cool. in, in, in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is intense. It's it's wild to hear. Oh, you know, and it's so good to hear you pushing out all this music. You know, you're talking about all the crap from the last couple of years, all the COVID, the loss you've dealt with, and you're still pushing out all this fantastic music, still playing out there all the time. It's really, really wonderful. I'm, I'm glad to well, talk about this new record. It's awesome. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah. So I'll see you. I'm going to come see you guys on the 30th. But uh, again, I want to say uh, I've been enjoying your music forever. You know, like the, the Sex Mob albums, I remember coming coming to New York from school in Virginia, like in the, you know, the late nineties and seeing you guys, my my mind getting blown early on. And I think you were part of the reason seeing, you know, uh, sex Bob and a bunch of stuff. I, you know, went to the tonic and stuff. Just, it's one of the reasons I fell in love with New York, landed in New York. It's bands like yours that really, you know, kind of opened my mind to some serious stuff. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Michael. Well, that's why I kind of feel we're a legacy band. Cause I yeah, can't no- tell you how many people, including great professional musicians who are like, yeah, I heard Sex Mom that, that changed my life. You know, Absolutely. that was like it. You know, that was it. I'm not like, alone. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, so many people were like, it could be anything from going like, yeah, we saw the covers of your records. We didn't think you could even make, have a cover that looked art that looked like that. So like, yes. to the performance, to like, whatever, you know, so. Yeah. Oh, it, it opened people's mind to pop possibilities. I'm sure musicians yeah. and artists, artists alike. I'll let you get back at it. Hey, send Mike, uh, Mike, my best. Enjoy best. Thank you for the time. I know, I know you're uh, busy these days, so I really appreciate it, Stephen. Great. All to right, meet Michael. You. Take care. Thanks for doing your job, man. Of course. Man. Thanks so much. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.